Well, this morning I have a song. It's in case you didn't know, it's Valentine's Day. Um, so <clears throat> if you forgot, we have cake downstairs. You can take a slice home to whomever you would like. <laughs> Thanks to Nikki. Thank you. Uh, so there's a, a gob cake down there. So if you don't get down there after church immediately, it'll be gone. So um, it's very good. <laughs> There's not going to be any leftovers. It's going to be, if you want it, you better get there quickly because I've only had two pieces and I'm going for a third. So um, it's, it's very good. I was, I was surprised though. I liked it. But there's not much cake that I don't like. So <laughs> we're grateful for, for that. But this morning, you know, being Valentine's Day and you wonder, okay, what are you going to do? How, what love story are you going to talk about? What thing are you going to present for Valentine's Day? Well, the song that was in my head, now, <laughs> I got to tell you, <laughs> they're laughing because I already told them what it was, but um, the, the idea is that sometimes you, go, you have to go with thoughts that are in your head, you know, you're going to preach, what are you going to, you know, so it's like this thought, I was stalling the whole time, I said, well, this can't be what I'm going to write on, and I'm stalling, and I, you know, walk around, I go, I got, okay, give me another song, give me something, same ones in my head. So the song that was in my head was made by this uh, popular Christian artist, Tina Turner. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> now, if this, you, no, I'm not going to sing it. But anyhow, um, the, the challenge is that this was written by or was sung by Tina Turner. And her and her husband, Ike, were, well, they made a movie out of it. And uh, Tina says that this is not, it wasn't the way it was. And Ike said this is not the way it was. They both have books telling how each of it was for them. But it was a very abusive, violent uh, relationship. And whenever, I don't want to say when it was over, but sometime in this whole process, she has this song. And it basically, the, the lyrics are, what's love got to do with it, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What needs a heart when a heart can be broken? What's love but a sweet old-fashioned notion? Now, there's a whole bunch more around it and stuff. But whenever we are, and I think of our society, and I look, think of things, there's the heart of the matter is, okay? Whenever we're looking, what is the heart of the relationship? What is the heart of the matter? And we find that most times in our, what's presented for love and appreciation really doesn't involve the heart, as in that emotional attachment. It is more of, like stated in the song, that there is nothing more than just being together and an attachment that has no value as, as far as a heart relationship. Well, did you know, and these are going to be my facts, are you ready for this one? Did you know? Well, in one, one place I read 60%, and in another place I read 65% of all songs written are about love. Now, I didn't look up country western, I'm sure it's about your dog, you lost your dog, you, you went broke in your poem, you know, I didn't read that one up, but anyhow, the number one love song of all time. I will always love you, Whitney Houston. Did you know, and now if you haven't spent money on Valentine's, you can still get in. There are $27.4 billion sent, spent on Valentine's Day. 
Most of the money is spent for jewelry, 3.9 billion. An evening out, 3.5 billion. Clothing, 2.1 billion. And nearly 2 billion on Valentine's Day flowers. So I'm sure there's some leftover because there's 250 million roses that were produced for Valentine's Day. So, where did Valentine's Day come from? Huh, from what? The heart. The heart. Oh. Nah, it didn't come from the heart. Hallmark. Nah, Hallmark. Hallmark created the holiday, you know. Cupid, yeah, well, so, you know, I think of where did your, where did your, um, who created the cell phone? Telemarketers. <laughs> you know, we have all those little things, you know, the uh, side notes that come in there. But Valentine's Day was created by the Romans, Emperor Claudius II executed two men on the same day, a couple years apart, and both of them, their names were Valentine. And it was in the third century, and they were executed on February 14th. And it was a Catholic church that celebrated the St. Valentine's Day. So that's how this whole thing got started. Well, do you have pets? Did you buy your pet a valentine? You're one of $2 billion sent on pets for Valentine's Day. <laughs> So you see that love and the expression of love has come to mean many different things. Um, it's no wonder we can look at love and say it is a second-hand emotion and uh, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken because, you know, we can fill it with many different things. But love is intellectual. It is something that we can understand. It is something of relational that we relate to the experience Love is emotional. Now, I, I wrote this one out. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Love is emotional. Ready? It involves feelings, admiration, adoration, um, ascetics, appreciation, amusement, anxiety, awe, awkwardness, boredom, <laughs> calmness, confusion, craving, disgust, empathetic pain, entracement. That means a feeling of delight at being filled with wonder. <laughs> I had to look that one up. Envy, and I'm not done yet. I'm talking about love as an emotion. Envy, excitement, fear, horror, <laughs> interest, joy, nostalgia, romance, sadness, satisfaction, sexual desire, sympathy, and triumph. So all of you wrote those down. Make sure that you qualified. Love is a response of the will. Will you have this man, this woman, to be your lawfully wedded husband? Love is, a, love is spiritual. It is a commitment to God and a commitment before God. Love is physical. It's a re relating to the body, the touch, the smell, the taste, the seeing, the hearing. So we got all of these things that uh, speak to us about what love is or is not. And our popular culture makes us believe that love is restricted to love struck couples. Well, love relationships are to be celebrated whether they are for your parents, your siblings, your children, your friends, your family. Dylan, you can take your dad out the sheets for lunch. 
Yes, you're get, yeah, with the gift card, you buy them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that, you know? You know, so the idea is we have all these things that can talk about what love and what love is not. And some of the stories that I think of, and um, we'll start, you know, I'm going to build this whole way through to something very good in the conclusion. But on the way, we come up with Samson and Delilah. Oh, well, that's a love story. Um, it's, a, it's a story of a man who was, who was born and dedicated to God. He was in a Nazarite vow. It meant that he was not the touch and not no razor or shear was to cut his hair. And it was part of a vow that his family made and he made to follow God. Well, Samson became this judge of Israel and he was at, we're, we remember him for his noted strength that no one was the power of the Spirit of God would come upon him, and he could do spectacular things, you know, rip the gates off. The, <laughs> one city tried to capture him, and he just took all of the gates and ripped them off and carried them up over the hill. Uh, you know, he, he took the jawbone of a, a donkey and slayed a thousand-something uh, Philistines, and, you know, he, he just did phenomenal things. But he wanted love that he couldn't find in his own home area. So when he went searching for love, he took love in a search in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, that's another song. But I'm not speaking about that. Yeah, no, I, 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 went, I had that in there. You know, it's in there. Love, love searching for love in all the wrong places. So Samson was one that sent, went searching for love in all the wrong places in all the wrong ways. He met this woman called, named Delilah. <laughs> he fell in love with her, but she didn't fall in love with him. So Samson, his enemies, came and paid Delilah to find out where Samson's strength comes from. Well, three different times. You can tell when someone is dumbstruck, <laughs> struck dumb, with love in the sense that and it was purely uh, uh, Samson because Samson gave up his, I wouldn't say gave up, he deserted his God, he deserted his family, he deserted his nation because of his love or desire for Delilah. Well, Delilah was an individual who we don't know much about her, but we know that she's the only woman that's mentioned in Samson's life. And that um, three different times she convinced him to tell her, what is your weakness and where is it? You would think after the first two times that he told her and they did, they bound him up with chains and ropes and stuff. And, I, and he said, I'll be just like any other man. And she said, oh, 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 <laughs> I like that one. Oh, the, the enemies are upon you. And he jumped up and broke the chains, broke the bonds. And, and then, of course, she said, oh, you don't love me. <laughs> oh, Samson, you don't love me. You don't trust me. Well, why should I? <laughs> I tell you my secrets and you tell the whole world. Well, love is trust. But we find that true love is a story that needs to begin with God and stay connected to God and ends with God before, because the moment we let God out of the picture, we're letting ourselves in for trouble. Well, Delilah, she was of the area of Sorek. The Bible says that Samson loved her. 
but not, <laughs> she did not love him. The two were not married. And Delilah persists, and Samson finally surrenders to tell Delilah that God supplies his power because of his consecration to God as a Nazarite. And it means that this was a symbol. It wasn't that his hair was his strength. It was a symbol of his commitment to God. And the symbol of his commitment to God is where, you know, it let everybody know that he was faithful to God because of this symbol that he wore. And in, in a lot of our relationships, or should I say, in our spiritual relationships, there are symbols. You know, we go to church on Sunday. It's a symbol of what we believe. It's a symbol that we have faith in God. We believe that God is with us and that hopefully that we will hear the word of God and it will teach us things that God wants us to know. So it's a symbol. It's a, it's a sign of who we are and it's part of our character. It's part of our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Well, Samson's symbol of his strength and his relationship with God was his hair. And of course, Delilah, she took the money and cut his hair. Well, Samson paid for it dearly. The Philistines came in and tied him up and burned out his eyes and took him to prison. So it's ironic, not ironic, but that his eyes were what took him the wrong way in leaving his country and finding a beautiful woman that was different than all the ones in Israel. And so she <laughs> deceived him. I don't think she had visiting privileges in prison. <laughs> but anyhow, we know the story that Samson was able to, at the end, he, he was, they let his hair grow back. And he, when in reality, I think it isn't that his hair grow back, grew back. It was that he became aware of what his commitment to God meant. And that as he grew in his commitment to God again, he could understand that it wasn't his great strength that he needed to focus on. It was his love for God and God's love for him. And he pushed down the, the pillars in the temple of, of the Philistines and killed more in that Philistine temple than he had in any of the battles. So it was kind of his act of redemption. But we find where love in all the wrong places can lead us in a wrong direction. So for our, uh, love from God to us is a sacrificial love. So we, we look at how that, what's love got to do with it from human relationships in which hearts can be broken and that there is no substance of, of personality or person in the, in the process of loving someone. We can move from that to being betrayed by our desire to be loved. And then we move to the fact that God loves us and that we have a picture of that love. And Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 13. He talks about what love, what love is. And he is portraying it or speaking of it in the context that love is, and he's like, this is what you're supposed to be. Whenever you have love in your heart, this is what you're supposed to be. But in reality, he is reflecting God. You know, what Paul writes here is, is like the moon reflecting the sun. <laughs> you know, we, we can't see the sun, but we can see the sun's reflection in the moon at night. Well, Paul is reflecting to us the love of God. And he's reflecting to us what that love is. And he says, 
I may speak in different languages, whether human or even of angels. But if I don't have love, I am only a noisy bell or a ringing cymbal. <laughs> love is fundamental to everything that we believe. Love is, now, love, you, you, you know, I don't say, well, you know, I love that. I love that. I love your dress. You know those silver things hanging? I love those things, you know. <laughs> I love your hair. I, I love that, you know, I love, the, you know, I love you, boy. I love you, boy. <laughs> you know, and people sometimes, they just overdo it, you know. You know, they use the word. It's like on Wednesday night, we're talking about humility. It's like, I, I'm proud that I'm humble. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> I'm proud that I'm humble, you know. And, and so, no, that doesn't work. Well, loving everything doesn't mean you love everything. It is a word that you've attached to that is an emotional response, but yet do you really love love from the heart, or is that just another word in your vocabulary? I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all secrets and know everything where there, where there is to know. And I may have faith so great that I can move mountains. But even all of this, if I don't have love, I am nothing. So love is a foundation. Reflecting of God, I created this world. And if I don't love my creation, I'm not God. <laughs> because God is love. So whenever we start looking at this, God is reflecting to us, and we can see God, and this is not like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. Well, of course you can't do it. We, have, we need the reflection of God. We need to see God and allow God's reflection to come from us. We are the moon reflecting the sun, Jesus Christ. And we are reflecting who he is. And these are the characters of God, characteristics of God that are our characteristics. I may as an offering, I may offer my body to, to be an offering and burned. But I gain nothing by doing all of this if I don't have love. So love becomes a purpose. Jesus died on the cross. If he didn't do it because he loved us, it meant nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. And is not proud. And now, the characteristics here are not doormats. You know, sometimes we misinterpret these things and say, doormat. Well, God was not a doormat. Jesus is not a doormat. But he went around in humility because he knew who he was. And in our life, if people who know they are loved find a place of security. One, one Jewish family, she wrote, mother wrote this, I think it was back from the, before the, the World War II. And she wrote that, all Jewish families, that the, the children of Jewish families, she said, are the most successful because every one of those children know that they are loved and they are not afraid to step out and make, make mistakes because they know that they will be loved anyhow. <laughs> I thought, well, that's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good thing. And God is telling us we can be his best child and we can step out in life Remember last week we talked about how that, what did we talk about? <laughs> we talked about how that we can approach God and the same, the same attitude we have about approaching God with freedom and 
Confidence is the same way we can approach life with freedom and confidence. I can approach every day of my life with freedom and confidence, without fear, without obligation. I approach God without fear and with confidence because I am saved, I am forgiven, and that's where he wants me to be in relationship with him. So if I'm in relationship with him, I am safe in this life and in eternity, so what should I be afraid of in life? Why, why should I be afraid? I can be confident and without fear. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish. It cannot be made angry easily. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. <laughs> in one of the, one of the translation, it's, love does not keep score of wrongdoing. <laughs> I owe you one. Did you ever hear that expression? I owe you one. Uh huh. Who's keeping score then, huh? Love is never happy when, when others do wrong, it is always happy with the truth. Love is friendship. Love never gives up on people. Reflection God, He never gives up on you. It never stops trusting, never loses hope, and never quits. You see, love sees possibilities. You know, whenever we're talking about being positive persons and looking at life through, through the ability to overcome and to be successful in our relationship with God and, and what God ha- where God has placed us, we are seeing how God is working in our life. Being an optimist is that God has a plan. God has a purpose. Well, it may not be working correctly right now, but that doesn't mean anything because the trials are about how I'm going to grow through them and become what God wants. So the Bible talks us about God's love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The parents' love, prodigal son. Friends' love, greater love has no man than he lay down his life for a friend. Talks about the neighbor's love, love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, love is not something that is just me and private. <laughs> it is something that is part of who I am in all of my relationships. So Valentine, Valentine's Day is a celebration of love to, all, uh, to love to all of our people, all the people that we are in touch with, all the, because it's our relationship. God is in love with you and all the people that you know. God loves me, and so he loves all the people that I know, and so therefore, it is my responsibility to allow his love to touch their life. Not be rude, not be selfish, not be arrogant, but with openness and communion with God, openness and communion with people. I think one of the great love stories of the Old Testament is the book of Ruth. And I, I once used this in a, in a wedding, and the, the people said, never thought of that applying to a wedding. <laughs> but Ruth is this lady who um, meets or marries um, Naomi. Naomi's, uh, okay, we'll go back up a little bit. Naomi lives in, in Israel and Bethlehem, and her and her husband and two sons 
there's, there's, there's a great famine going on, and so they decide to move to the neighboring country. While that neighboring country was not necessarily, it wasn't a, a friendly nation towards Israel, but they moved there anyhow. So while they are there, uh, Naomi's two sons marry. Well, the two sons thought are killed in battle, and her husband dies. So Naomi then is returning back to Bethlehem. She says, I went out full, I'm coming back empty. Her life is a bitter discouragement to her. And the events of life portrayed a very negative impact upon her. But she had two daughter-in-laws, and so whenever they came to the border with her two daughter-in-laws, she turned and told them, go back. Go back to your families. And uh, the reason she's saying that is because a widow <laughs> who doesn't have relatives to take care of him, or she's a beggar. She has, she has no hope of anything other than being a beggar and depending upon the kindness of relatives and friends that would take care of her. And so she turns to her two daughter-in-laws and says to return. But the, the great impact is that Naomi has a daughter-in-law named Ruth. And Ruth says in chapter 1, verse 16, Entreat me not to leave you, or to return from following after you. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more, if aught but death part us. <laughs> That's a commitment. But you see, in that commitment, it wasn't in, I, I think, I look at it, that Ruth saw Naomi, not in this state where everything was wrong, but saw her as a woman who had two sons and a husband. And she saw in her a faith that was greater than anything she had experienced in her country and in and her gods that, uh, that she worshipped. And so it was that type of relationship that she had with Naomi that when she came to this point of separation, she couldn't because she felt this love between her and Naomi, and it was greater than just going back to an empty house or to an empty place where they were going to be beggars. Well, we know the story that Ruth married Boaz, and Boaz, they had a son, and then he had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David. You see, sometimes when love is greater than the situation we're looking at, God has a future. We may not see it, we may not understand it, but God has a future. And one other thing, as we, three minutes, that's what I was looking for. I got three minutes to finish. Um, can we go to commercial? Yeah. <laughs> can we go to commercial and just hold this up for a minute and then I'll be right back? Okay, preacher, it's Valentine's Day. Don't think you can get off that easy, all right? Yeah. So the other story, the other story I think of is a great love story, is the one that Jesus told. And how does Jesus 
tell us about the Father? How does Jesus let us know what the relationship, the love that God has for each one of us and for each one of his children? Well, it's in the story of the prodigal son. And the story is in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons. <laughs> well, one of the sons decides, the younger decides, hey, I want my inheritance now, and I don't want to wait around for you to die. <laughs> okay, can you imagine doing that? And in those, time, in those days, I mean, that was a great, <laughs> great sin. He could have had his son killed. But anyhow, his son just says, you know, I want half, and I'm leaving. So the father says, now remember, Jesus is telling the story, and he's relating to God the Father. The Father says to each one of us, whatever you want to do, go ahead. <laughs> See? The Father says, if this is what you want, here it is. And so the child, this, the son takes his inheritance and he goes off to a country and he finds lots of friends. He's got lots of money. And he just surrounds himself with friends and he spends his money and he wakes up one day and he can't pay the rent. <laughs> and he doesn't have any friends and he doesn't have anything to eat. And he becomes... <laughs> desperate and so the only place he could find to find work was feeding the pigs now he's Jew pigs are <laughs> you know no good you don't touch them unclean well he finds himself basically living with the pigs and he's not even <laughs> in one sense he's not even allowed to eat what the pigs eat because the pigs have more value than he does and so in this desperate place, he says, <laughs> the son realizes he had been very foolish. You see, what does it take for us to come to grips with our actions? Sometimes we have to hit bottom. <laughs> and so here's this young man, and Jesus is telling the story, that the father has allowed him to hit bottom. The father didn't leave his home and go searching for the boy. He lets him come to his senses. If this is what you want, here it is. And so he says, whoa, my, I can go home and have a meal. My father's least servants have something to eat. And so he went home and on his way home. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. You see, the imagery here is God the Father is watching the horizon for any glimpse of his child, his children, that want to come back, want to be in relationship with him. And so he's watching for his son to come. And when he sees his son coming over the hill, he runs out to meet him. And he, you know, he hugs him, kisses him, tells him, put a robe on him, put shoes on his feet, put a ring on him. And his son says, Father, I've sinned. No, my son who was lost is now found. And so whenever we look at our life, we look at what God has done. We look at the scriptures from the Garden of Eden to the, to the end of Revelation. We find that God is telling us a story. He's telling us a story about his life and his love for us. 
uh, how that he wants to impart the good things of, of the kingdom of God into us. And he said all would be perfect. <laughs> you know, if God was in charge, we would think everything would be perfect. All would be perfect if God were in my heart and my life. No. It isn't perfection that grows us. It's complications. <laughs> this story, you know, whenever they were trying to do experiments on trees and things in other places, you know, maybe on Mars or whatever, they put them in a closed environment, you know, no wind, whatever, just nurturing, and they would grow and grow fruit, and what would happen to them? The limbs fell off. Because it was the wind that causes there to be strength in the limbs. <laughs> and so in our life, sometimes it's adversity that causes us to know what we really believe. And so Jesus has come, the love of God, the love of God given for us in Jesus. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village and he worked there as a carpenter until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home, never wrote a book, never held an office, never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot outside, inside of a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from his place of birth. He never did one of the things that would usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials, but simply himself. While still a young man, the tide of popularity, popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race, the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that the, all the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that have ever built, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth and as powerfully as the one solitary life. So when it comes to Valentine's and God's gift to us, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the one who breaks down the barrier between us and God. Romans says, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God showed how much he loves us. So you see, what's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything in the hand and the heart of God and the expression of God is he loves us to the extent he would do anything to get us to return. And all the things that were standing in the way, God by his spirit and his love have broken down those barriers. And we are the ones that need to come to our senses as that one in the pig pen, the son who walked off and did his own thing. We need to come to that reality 
that our Father has so much more for us. Father, I've sinned. (laughs) And we return to the Father. And what does he do? He loves on us. He hugs on us. Amen? Father, we thank you that there is more to our life than just simple emotions. There's more to our life than a heart that can be broken. There's more to us, Lord, than the difficulties that we faced, the foolishness that we have done. But Lord, there is, there is your love for us that constantly is knocking at the door, that is constantly holding on to us and giving us strength for, and direction for our life. I thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, that I can express this love in a way that says thank you to you and to those around me. We ask your blessing. We ask your guidance. We ask your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>